Hello, everybody. This is your girl, Lady T, and I want to welcome you to Solid Conversations. This is a really good episode we put together. We have we are doing um, paying just tribute to fathers out there, and we're going to have a nice, intimate conversation with a father here. Um, and we're going to introduce everyone that's on the call, that's on the the, the word, and we're just going to go through and talk like that. So I would like to introduce, first of all, I'll introduce Tiffany. Tiffany Terry is coming back again to just um, spend some time with me. I really enjoyed our conversation the last time. And so she's coming back. And then we have our good father. We thank you so very much, Mr. Shea Hankins. We thank you for coming on and having this conversation with us. Um, and so we are going to get talk. We're going to get started talking about. We're going to talk about fatherhood. We're going to talk about relationships. We're going to talk about the whole gamut. So we get to have an opportunity to just ask Mr. Shea all the questions that we as women would always wanted to know and wanted to hear, get responses <laughs> about, but also giving him honor, you know, as a father and, you know, taking care of your children and being involved and what that means to you. So we're going to get started. And first question, we're going to, um, well, you know what, I'll let Mr. Shea in introduce himself and, you know, tell us a little bit about him and we'll go from there. Well, first off, thank you for having me, Tori. Um, Tiffany, thank you for joining the conversation. My name is Shea Hagans. I am born and raised in Rochester. Um, a te proud teacher, proud teacher of the Rochester City School District. Just finished um, my master's in leadership and organizational change at NASR. Um, And yes, I'm a father first, you know, servant, actually servant first, father second, you know what I mean? Um, and I have an eight year old son, Amir. He'll be my son. Yeah, that's, that's a little bit about me. <laughs> so you have an eight-year-old son whoa okay so you're doing a lot so you you out there <laughs> that's still young but they still impressionable so you know so a lot of little a lot of hands-on so um and as far as fatherhood is concerned um what are some things that you like to do with your son uh, so the things i like to do with my son honestly i just like to observe um, what I realized is that the more that I try to get him to do things, like he loves sports mm -hmm. and I love to watch him play sports, but I love to observe in the sense that um, I don't want to feel, I want him to feel pressure. I don't want to project mm -hmm. any of my expectations on him. I don't want him to feel that as if he's disappointing me in any way. So when it comes to sports, I am really the guy that just watches. I, mm -hmm. I tell people all the time, I let coaches coach. You know, I sit, I sit far away, I watch, but I let them know I know everything that's going on. Okay. Yeah, you was, you know, if you're playing basketball, you was three for eight, you know what I mean? Or I, I just, I, I pay attention, but I just want to watch him live. Mm -hmm. I think that is something that um, I wasn't privileged to as a child. Um, even though my mother, you know, she's a single parent, she did all she can. She couldn't make every game and stuff. But so there's also moments where I didn't mind not having the support, but in the same breath, it's like, maybe if I asked somebody watching, I may have performed better or I might have been trying to impress. But I will tell you this, though, I'll be honest. Every game my mom came to, I got hurt. I don't know what it was. She She'll come to like one game a season, and either either something drastic will happen. I remember one day I fell into the bleachers, during like volleyball, like toppled over. You know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe I was just nervous, but just watching him—that's something I love doing. I love observing him. Um, and then not only asking him questions, I feel like children ask us a lot of questions, and more of them is why and why and why. But 
asking kids those questions, it reminds us of our own imagination. You know what I'm mm. saying? So just asking them questions and hearing their answers is like allows us to feel young, allows us, you know, reminds us that we're free. Okay. So Miss Tiffany, please do not hesitate to jump on in, you know. This if you jump in if, with your questions and anything that you have. So Hi, Shay. Just listening to what you've been sharing about, you know, being a proud parent and expressing um, your interaction with your son at eight years old. Do you remember what it was like when you were eight? I do. And kind of like sometimes like compare those times or um, just kind of, you know, relate. So it's, it's very, it's very interesting that you're asking that question because um, I actually did that, I would say like two weeks ago. During my graduation, I was thinking about it. And um, my eight and my son eight was two totally different eights. Um, <laughs> uh, I would say that more more of, you know, the circumstances that I was raised in, um, situations that my mom was dealing with, you know, addiction and everything. It was like my eight, I was making Cornish hens, you know, rice, <laughs> great. I was cooking and washing my own laundry at eight and um, watching my son live at eight and what I realized is that it put me in a state where I had to really, really do some deep, dark, like honest reflection and, re and remember that I can't project onto him. Uh -huh, I mean, uh -huh. You know, you hear the story, you know, you, even when you watch movies, when I was your age, when I was your age, so now when I was your age story, it would sound totally different. If he here when I was your age, he'd be like, either this guy is lying or <laughs> he has Benjamin Button disease. Like I, like I was making full course meals and my laundry and everything I ate, but more of it was survival. And there's a difference between survival and freedom. There's a difference uh -huh. between insecurity and being sure who you are. So, you know, I think, you know, like I said, my, I'm very open about it now. And I found the freedom in having those conversations to where I can say what happened. You know, my mother was on drugs and, and her addiction. I didn't want the school to know that, you know, she wasn't home. I didn't want them to understand that. You know, we had situations and things wasn't, you know, what they expected. So, yeah, I did my own laundry. I knew how to separate lights, brights, and whites. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I did all that. And then, um, and I always ironed. I was the same. I was the same at eight years old. I was ironing my drawers. I felt like if you iron them, you wouldn't get a wedgie. I don't know if I told myself that. <laughs> I, it, was, yeah, it was something weird I told myself. But, yeah, I was you're talking about creases down the middle of your pants. I was sharp. I never, I never played that. I never, I think. But it, like I said, it was survival. I didn't want them to understand my circumstances. And um, I was just very big on it. And I'm, I'm grateful that even in that, you know, in all those, you know, different things that I've experienced, it's like my eight and my son eight, it's like, that's a, his is a dope eight. Like watching him, you know, play baseball, watching him, you know, play football or like even when he's trying something new or, yeah, guess what I did? You know, I'm like, that's what eight looks like. And it's like, let's live in that eight. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. it, it reminds me of what it what it's supposed to feel like. Mm. Uh -huh. That's awesome. Uh -huh. Yeah, that yeah, that was it was. It's just kind of like you think about it. I think, you know, I I because that's that that's that what you res your response wants to take me in a whole different direction. Because, you know, if think about it, it's just kind of like your eight and your son's eight, and it's like your eight was about survival. And I know that a lot of times when you were younger, you know, they would always say, you know you don't tell people about our business and what's going on at home. And, right. um, you know, it's kind of like 
we didn't do that, not because it was our business days at home, but I love what you said about, you know, I didn't want them to find out because that's a whole nother gamut of issues and concerns. And it's just kind of like, no, we, we do it to survive. We do it right. to, to make sure we make it to the next day. And it's just kind of like, sometimes uh, it's not, it's not necessarily about, you know, my business is our business. It's just that, you know, I don't want that business. Like right. uh, we're going to keep this business. Cause I don't want that business. And there, you know, so many other things could have happened and so it could have, you know, been your, your journey, but that, you know, keeping, keeping your fam, keeping yourself at home was like, I, I thought that was kind of really very powerful in what you said, you know, uh-huh. truly different. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think about my children as well, you know, but I think about, um, they're eight. Yeah. They was washing clothes too. Not because, you know, because of something else, no, because, um, it's too many of y'all. Like we all need to, <laughs> like, <laughs> see, it, it, see, it's even to that point, you know what I mean? Like, so even to that point on my mother's side, it was just my sister. And I, my father's side, I have approximately eight or nine sisters. Mm-hmm. It's, it's somewhere in, but I'm the only boy on both sides. Whoa. So on my mother's side, it was always, you know, take care of your younger sister. Mm-hmm. Um, my sister, she lived with her father's mother. So she'll come over on the weekends or she'll spend summers with us and stuff like that. But it was always either me or, you know, you raised with your cousins and those like your brother and sister. So mm-hmm. it was that whole, you know, dynamic of we all in a situation together. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We all got to take care of each other. Right. And then looking at it from a place of freedom now. Like I express it, even to my students and I express it to my son, freedom is I choose to eat what I want. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Even if I eat healthy, that's a choice. Freedom looks different for him. And I have to understand that even now, like his struggle is not my struggle. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, it's not going to be the same, but it's not fair for me to not allow him that freedom to be, not allow him that freedom to understand, not allow him that freedom to make mistakes. And the more that you hinder his imagination, the more that you stunt his growth. And the reason why I say hinder the imagination is because we we once had imagination. We wanted to be something we grew up. We knew we like we played in boxes, we drew pictures, and it's like allow him to have that. Mm-hmm. Allow him allow him to, to feel all those things. Allow him to yeah, dad, like he, <laughs> I think one of the best lessons he ever taught me was um yeah, so he's always been fast. And then this new kid got on the track team and started smoking him. And in my <laughs> eyes, I was excited about it. I don't, I, I, I'm terrible. I'll admit that. I am great, but I'm terrible. I love to watch my son lose only because I love to watch him deal with adversity. Mm. Um, because I've given him so much that I need the world to give him hard lessons. It's not on me to give him hard lessons because the projection of me giving him a hard lesson is interpreted as fear. Mm. I don't want to equate fear to respect. I want you to respect me because of who I am and how much you love me rather than to fear me and look like that's an example of respect. Mm. So, yeah. So when he loses, I'm like, come here, son. Oh, man, that's crazy. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> but um, he had said something one day. He was like, well, I'm the second fastest. And I said, okay. That's a good way. Like, yeah. He was like, yeah, the other kid, he's the fastest, but I'm the second fastest. So... A part of me wanted to shut down his dream, like, well, you need to run faster so you can beat him. And the second part of me was like, let him understand his fate. Mm. Let him understand his fate. And I feel like that's going to go in another direction. We'll bring that up later about um, our youth and not understanding their fate. Mm. Uh-huh. But I, we'll talk, like I said, we, we got time. We'll talk about uh-huh. that a little bit. 
Wow. That, that, that's kind of like that. That's another, like, he was like, wow, you know, to understand his fate, like, Oh yeah. Like, but, he, but the way that you, the way that you're saying that he handled it was a very mature way of handling it. It didn't, it didn't kill his thunder, you know, it didn't make him want to, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, I'm a, you know, Oh, he's good. He's real good. Uh-huh. You know, he gave the other person props, but yet and still, you know, saying, but I'm second. I'm good. I'm still good. Right. You know, it's just. Yeah, and that's just a reassurance. I was right. like, let me stay out of the way. He, he did that. Sometimes, sometimes we do have to know when to step in as parents and when to step back. And that is awesome. Like, and even as a father, for you to be there to allow him to have um, those, that experience, right? So me as a mom, I'd have been like, no you ain't about to whoop my baby baby keep going like as a mom you know i want you to be the nerd i don't want you know i want to protect you from everything that may harm you but then you just put it into a perspective of no this this creates a response this creates a place for him to learn where to grow what's important and what's like dang i didn't even think about it like that like me you know, I'd have been like, "Yo, better check my child." Like, ah, oh. like I'm a I'm a bear mom, so it's just kind of right. like, you know, it's just kind of like um, that's why I don't like to go to sports. I don't like to go to their games. My children <laughs> did they did softball, basketball, cheerleading, volleyball. They did so much, right? I uh-huh. would go to games because if they fall, if they somebody gets them, like I'm gonna get you. Like, and so I knew my limits in this situation. Uh So I had to like, okay, I'll meet you outside or I'm gonna stand in the corner, you know, but I can't be, I can't let you know that I'm there because it's just kind of like, I don't want nobody else to know that I'm going to act up if something happened to you. So Uh that different perspective from a mother and a father's perspectives of how to allow a child to just experience different things in life is really that's cool. That's awesome. And uh, to your point, I, I I don't even knock that. Um, his mother is the same way. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you, you ain't about to do that to my baby. Exactly. Like, I'll be honest. We don't even sit next to each other in the game. It's, it's one of those because we see the game from a totally different angle all the from time. A totally she different. She is the like matching shirt name across the face. Probably got a band with his face on it. And I'm the person that's just like in the corner, like you said, uh-uh. but I'm always watching the game and, and we watch the game from two different lenses, yeah. both competitive. You know, she was a college athlete, you know what I mean? She ran nationals and stuff. She did track. But the way that we look at the game, I'm looking at the game from a nature side. Mm-hmm. She's looking at the game from a nurturing side. Mm-hmm. So it was like, yeah, you want to nurture your baby, but you understand that nurture him so much to coddles him where I'm like, you know, I need you to fail. Mm. I need you to hurt. I need you to get scraped. I need you to understand these scabs. And I'm not talking about, like, literally, I'm talking about emotionally. There are some things that I need to let you feel, and I can't stand in the way of that. And I don't want you standing in the way of that, ma'am, because he needs to understand this. I think one of the um, toughest lessons that her and I, we didn't see eye to eye about was, um, he was, um, oh, <laughs> he was playing football last year. And there was a situation where the other team, it was playing a little dirty. They were. And, um, but I'm one of people like, you got to outplay the other team. Don't think about the refs, just, just play your heart out. Mm-hmm. And there was a moment where, but like the guy was, he, he was a little rough. I ain't gonna lie. And I watched him like step on the, like the play will be over and the kid was just playing dirty, whatever. So the quarter ended and my son was walking off and he started crying. I said, come here. And I, I ain't gonna lie. I grabbed him and I said, listen, you can cry. 
You just can't cry right here. You can cry in the locker room. You can cry under that tree. You can cry with your team, but don't cry in the field because you look like food. And I said, you know what happens with food? I said, you get eaten. Don't worry about that other person on that team. I was like, I don't mind you crying. That's okay. You can feel everything you want to feel, but just understand that you got a job to do, right? And I said, and everything does what? So we have a bunch of sayings that we say to each other. I was like, everything does what? He's like, it builds character. I said, you good now? He said, I'm good. Stop crying. He got himself together. By the time he back in the huddle, he cheering on his team and everything because this is halftime. His mother didn't like, you know, the moment. I didn't feel like you had to say that. You didn't have to do that. <laughs> the fathers that were behind me. Now, there was like four or five fathers behind me like, yo, I, I would have never said that to my son. That, that was deep. I appreciate it. And I'm like, I raised my son like the father I always want. Mm. Not like the father I never had. There is a negative connotation in that. First of all, I can't raise my son that I never had because now I'm imagining something that is not there, but I will always know who I want and I know what I want to give. And I also have to take into consideration that, like I said earlier, is like, even though that's the father I always wanted, what's the father he needs right now? How do I need to show up in this moment? And in this moment, I had to tell myself, like, yo, you're allowed to cry. Like, if your dad cry, just don't cry right here because I don't want him thinking it's okay. And sure enough, he went out there. Every play. Now the second half, he called him out. I want him. He on the line. You pointing at him. You know what I'm saying? And it got him all fired up. But it's like, that's how I coach my son in life. And you're looking at it on the field like, oh, you embarrassed him. I said, this is bigger than the field. Like, <laughs> this field I'm talking about is is the earth. So that was one of the moments where, like, I get it. That, that mother bear come out. And it's like, but man, you know what I mean? And even when she attacked me with it, I'm like, all right, hold on. We on the same team. <laughs> we understand things, you know what I mean. So, but I'm glad we we got over that. We got over it. But that and that's kind of a good you know segue or a good point to kind of pull into, um, you know, just co-parenting. Like, um, like how do you how easy or what do you do to co-parent, um, your son? And it's just kind of like I think you just gave two perfect two a good example of how you know we as women kind of you know, look at something from one perspective, but you as a father gave a different perspective and never to understand that perspective until you have that conversation with that father. And it's just kind of like, you're right, but still you cannot attack my son. Like, it's just kind of like, it's that, it's that instinct, but you know, it's kind of like, I hopefully hope hope that she kind of understood where you were coming from eventually, but yeah, it's just kind of like sometimes in the moment, it's just kind of like we do, we're like we're ready to we're ready to attack, but um, you know, it's just kind of like sometimes it's not always the right thing to do. And so, how is it that your co-parenting style? work so i will be honest to say our dynamics is very unique um one i was always honest with her from the beginning since she was pregnant i said listen anything he needs you let me know like i will take care of all his needs the only thing i need for you to do is take care of the show you know what i mean like i don't ever want you to feel burdened by that um like i'll pay for all his clothes school whatever just let me know um and of course you know, we run into a, a brick wall a couple of times where her pride just gets the best of her. And she like, well, I don't want to ask anybody. I'm like, you're not asking me. You're, I was like, I, I, we, we had this conversation since you was pregnant. Like, this is nothing that, you know, we made up the other day. 
Um, and I like that we actually even to that point, we had to sit down with a mediator, you know what I mean? A moderator and just have another conversation as of recently. And, and she admitted like, you know what, it's my fault. There was a lot of miscommunication, but then also, you know, it's my pride. And I'm like, and, and I got some of that too. I own some of that as well. But co-parenting is the biggest thing. And people say it all the time. Oh, it's about communication. But people don't understand. It's about the application of communicating. Because you can communicate. But if somebody like, if somebody's speaking Spanish and somebody's speaking French, y'all both communicating about who is actually translating the information, who was actually receiving it. And it's your responsibility as the person giving the information to make sure that person receives it. Um, I would even be remiss to admit that we dealt with that the other day. Um, where, you know, you kind of move off the actions that other people are moving off of to interpret that that's the form of communication when it's not effective and you don't realize until afterwards. And now we're looking at hindsight with the all you had to do is. Um, you don't want to get stuck in that place. So you always want to make sure, hey, do you understand what I'm saying? Is, is there anything that you have to see return and be vulnerable in that sense? Um, that I feel like that's the biggest, biggest thing. And... And this is not bashing. I'm just throwing it out there because it needs to be said. There's a difference between being a single mom and being a mom that's single. Please, please stop trying to be a single mom if you're just a mom that's single. I'm, I'm all for moms that's single. And guess what? If I meet a mom that's single, I'm not going to stay in the way of that father being the father to a child. But when I feel like sometimes some women and it's not all. I've just seen it in some cases. Some women actually own or feel honored by the badge of being a single mom because they feel like, matter of fact, I can't tell, I can't project how they feel. I can say that they hold on to it like it's a badge. And it's like, your story is not everybody else's story. And I've run into situations where it's like, like I had to tell my, my son mother, I'm like, you're not a single mom, you're a mom that's single. Like, you, you, you may not have, you know, significant other, but you have somebody that's significant to your son. When you hear a single mom, you automatically make the association that the father is dismissed, that the father doesn't exist. And that is unfair and it's not, and it's emotionally like hardening to a person that's always there, to a person that, that promises and a person that is like intentional about being impactful in a child's life to say that you're a single mom. And then what happens is even to the people that know us personally, it's like, yeah, you know, like, like, hey, you know she did X, Y, and Z, and it's like, I didn't know. But you intentionally not communicate with me because you want to do it by yourself. And it's like, that is cool to you, but I will never want to watch somebody struggle. Think about how, think about when we look at our family members or our friends or coworkers or whatever, if they deal with addiction, if they deal with mental health, we would never want to sit there and watch them struggle. So why would I want to sit there and watch the person my son cares about, probably more than me, struggle and why would you struggle intentionally to prove a point to who to yourself so now here's where the uncomfortable part comes because i do so much self-reflection i'm very um i'm very hypersensitive to eq so when it comes to emotional uh, you know i'm saying emotional intelligence one of the things i realize is that sometimes we have a sense of ownership because we've never owned anything and it's unfair to do that with a child. Like, it's our son when he mess up. It's your son when he mad at me. It's my son 
when he got to get, you know, he got to get disciplined because he messed up. But then it's our son again when it comes time to pay for tuition. You know what I mean? Like, understand those, you know, the same way that we try to respect people and their pronouns, respect the other parent and their pronouns. It's always our child. It's always us. It's always us. Even when they don't think that, you know, we might not be on the greatest terms or they don't know where we at. It's like, it's always going to be our team. We're always going to be stuck on the team. And guess what? We got two general managers and we got one. You know what I mean? So I just want to, I want to put that out there so that a lot of women understand that because I'm not saying every father is the best, but I know that everybody has substance. And the one thing that I will always go back to, and this is another reason why um, I'm, I appreciate you for having me on this platform because this is a story that I, I've been wanting to tell for the longest. I've understood in this moment May 13th, to be exact, I understood that the projection of what, especially fathers that are really like prominent for fathers that are trying that didn't have a father, is like sometimes we project or we deflect our feelings to our child or from our child based on the relationship of our parent. And what I learned in that moment was um, like I've always kept the door open for my father. Regardless of him not being there, I've never once said, like, oh, I don't want to talk to him. You can't talk. No, I always, like, to this day, as a grown man, my father doesn't talk to me. He doesn't have any relationship with me. He chooses not to have a relationship with me. But I invite him to my graduation. And um, <laughs> I heard some, I wouldn't, it was hurtful in that moment, but it was natural. And the reason why I understood it was hurtful in that moment is because I expected something to change. And it's like, yo, that man is, is constant. I don't know why you expect that man to change. He's constant. You're constant. And you came from him. So understand your son is going to be constant. But to the to the direct point that I'm bringing up is like when I invited my father to graduation and he didn't show up and he was like, good for him. Now, that's one of the microaggressions that I wish anybody would say to me. I'll, I'll correct you. First of all, I don't say good for you. That is like the most verbal noogie, verbal pat on the head you can get. Is it good for us? Or you saying good for me because you expect less, right? But then to hear my, you know, this this guy who's my father, um, say good for him, it was like, why wouldn't you want to celebrate me in this moment? I'm your only son, and um, then I realized that that's where my hurt and frustration comes with my son because it's like, I want you to love me harder as much as I'm trying to love this man that doesn't even acknowledge me. And then we overcompensate. We overlove. We we over you know stimulate them with materialistic things. We we over appreciate it. We over we build this kind of concept in their mind that they're overachieving. What happens is then is when they face those to, uh, difficult moments where I'm dreading it. I'm not even gonna lie. I am nervous. I'm I'm afraid of my child to become a teenager. I remember all the sneaky things I did. I'm like, if he's twice as smart as me, that means it's going to be twice as hard for me to keep up. But <laughs> but just looking at it in the sense of like, I hope my son comes to me and say, Dad, this is what I'm dealing with. Dad, I got a situation. I don't understand. You know what I mean? And um, But it's not my place. And it's not fair for me to project that on him. And I think that's the hardest thing about fathers being a father, especially being a father without having a rubric or guidance of one. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. in the house or going to their house. You know, what I mean, even if you know it was a co-parenting situation, I believe I'm grateful by the grace of God that I've had so many positive male influences, especially black male influence. But what you don't realize is that they are positive influences based on your perception of them. So I had good coaches because they looked like good men to me, regardless of whatever they did. I don't know, but they were good to me. You know, I had, you know, men in ministry that were good to me. I have my godfather who was a pastor that was good to me. I've had uncles, you know what I mean? And it's like, but that still doesn't, you know, fill the hole or the void of having my father tell me good job. And regardless, of that, I never want him to have that same type of feeling as well. Mm. It's it's that's the the most complex thing, especially with co-parenting, because after everything I just shared with you, imagine that's what I'm dealing with in my mind, and all she looks at it is, well, when you gonna see your son? <laughs> you know what I mean? Or what you got going on? I need help getting into practice. And I'm like, I'm building an empire, so that he never has to struggle. And I respect you for everything that you do. But just understand that even sometimes the way you communicate with me, no matter how old I am, I'm sensitive to it too. Because we're talking about our son. Okay. So we are (laughs) going to take a break on that note because that was deep. So we'll be right back and solid conversations with Shane and Tiffany where we're having this fatherhood conversation. We'll be right back. So thank you and welcome back to Solid Conversations. We are here talking with um, Shay Hagens and Tiffany Terry, and we are just talking about fatherhood and relationships. And um, Mr. Shay Hagens kind of took us out on a really cool, strong note. Want to make you say Shaba, but um, <laughs> yeah. So you talked about um, the project projecting and reflecting. And then us overcompensating, I mean, men overcompensating or overachieve with our children. And sometimes we do, even I'm, I'm, even as women, we, we kind of, if um, there's no father in place or no father mentor in place, sometimes we do overcompensate to, you know, to kind of deal with that, that missing piece when... You know, sometimes that can be either helpful or harmful, and it depends on the child because every child is not the same. Every child needs something different. And, um, you know, and I think one of the other things that you said was the expectation um, that women put on fathers and, um, you know, just wanting them to do specifically, I need you to do this, 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 and this. And sometimes we're just nagging and nagging and nagging. And it's just kind of like, sometimes it's not always good to nag, but, you know, it's just kind of like, how do we give the opportunity or the chance for him to step in and step um, to, you know, kind of do something with their children? How do we, like, what is, what would be a good um, word of encouragement that would we give? to women, especially when we're trying to encourage or hopefully wanting a father to step in or even a mentor? So um, that's a great question. And I got to acknowledge something in order to answer that question. First off, if a woman is nagging, that means she cares. Mm. And, and if you perceive it as nagging, that means that you don't hear the content of what she's saying. If the content of what she's saying is more important in the context of how you're receiving it, then you know she care. I know for the longest, I would be the first 
and race. Be like, yo, why is your I don't why you always neck? Is when they stop talking. That's when you should be concerned. <laughs> All right. Now I, I learned that. You know what I mean? I learned that without a father. <laughs> so um so I say that, I bring that up so I can say this. The other part that I found that was kind of difficult for me and we're navigating through it now is that um, there always need to be balance and this the child should be agreed upon. And I'm not talking about having a child. I'm, t- I'm talking about like, when I say the child should be agreed upon, let me be more specific. When it comes to their schedule, when it comes to their needs, when it comes to what provision looks like, when it comes to what security looks like, that needs to be agreed upon by both parents. Mm-hmm. One of the situations that I ran into, like I said, my child is very active and I'm very grateful for the time and energy that his mother puts in there. But what she also wasn't fair with or what I perceive as not being fair with is and having him um, involved in these activities. But then it's a strain on her. So now it's a strain on her to make sure that he's making it to all these practices and stuff. And now she's feeling emotionally burned out. But then if I can't bring him, then I feel guilty. And then now it's all of us doing this reflection. And per, you know what I mean? Like I said, it's, it start, it created chaos when all that, all we could have really did, or not all we could have really did, but what we really could have did from the beginning is we could have all sat down and said, hey, this is the sport we were thinking about playing. Here's the days that you got to make it to practice. What can you do? What can't you do? And we work this out now. That should be agreed upon from the beginning. And I feel like sometimes as parents, especially um, single moms, since they take on so much responsibility and since they are um, more than likely the custodial parent, they just kind of, you know, create and then delegate. But this is what he's doing. What can you do? This is what he's doing. How much can you pay towards it? This is what he needs. What can you put on it? And it's like that kind of conversation only works for somebody that doesn't want to be involved in their child's life. For somebody that wants to be involved, it's like, can we sit down and say, hey, this is what I was thinking. This is, you know, the days that he has to do it. This is what time I normally get out of work. Is there some things you can switch on your schedule? Because, in all honesty, it's like, I don't I don't even like seeing you suffer. And, it, and it's, it's only suffering, you know, depending on the perception. But I call it suffering because you need a break. And I had to tell her one day, I'm like, listen, regardless of me and you together or not, we're still friends and we still got an obligation. I want you to be the best mom you can be, but some days you're not going to be able to perform your best when you're burnt out. If you're taking them to all these practices and you take them all these games and stuff, and now you're feeling like you're not getting a break, I understand what that feels like because even if I'm not with my son, guess what? I got 100 plus kids at school and I'm not getting a break. You know what I mean? So I had to, and, and I'm like, I want you to be your best to perform for him. So, yes, if you might need me to watch him one weekend so he can have a weekend out, go ahead and say that. But just let me know and let's agree on these things rather than feeling like I've done these things so I feel entitled to a birth. Because mm-hmm. now if we're using our child as an entitlement, we're misusing, you know, our power and we're, we're not necessarily coming to, um, we're, not, we're not producing or we're not conducting ourselves at home. Why is it that we don't... Um... Why is it that we don't start with the conversation? This both male, female on both sides of the situation. This is like just a question. Why is it that we don't start off with a? Because I I know that like I think about it in what you said. It's just like when I, when I started off, 
once we um, separated, it was just kind of like, okay, this is the way we decided that we were going to raise our children. This is what we decided on. But I think throughout the process of raising a child, you have to have those refresher courses. Like we, we all like, just like you say, you, you, you're a teacher, you still have to have PDAs. You still have to have, you know, different things where it's encouraging you or it's, it's new skill sets or new something because things change. And time changes, your life changes, my life changes, but we still have these children. And so having those intermittent, uh, let's reevaluate what's going on here. Um, They're going one direction, we're going two separate directions, and we're not on the same page. So, you know, having those um, intermittent conversations, like periodically, let's refresh you know, as a child gets into moving to the next level of their life, like it's going to change. Their desire is going to change. Their interests are going to change. You know, he's, you're, you said your son's eight now, and it's just kind of like, by the time he's 13, he might not be interested in half of the stuff you already got him involved in. And so it's just kind of like, okay, now it's time for another conversation because as he's changing, we need to change with him. And I think that that's, go ahead. Reason why, and I'm speaking from my personal, my personal perspective. Mm-hmm. I can't talk for everybody, but I'll be like I said, I'm gonna be very 100 with you. Um, the reason why it's hard to have those conversations is because you don't want to feel, you don't want the vulnerability mm. to be used against you, and you don't want to feel insecure in what you what you can or can't produce. Mm. Is that from the male perspective? Because it's just kind of like it's from the male perspective. I'm gonna show you why. Mm-hmm. It's from the male perspective because even if you didn't have a father, if you didn't have you know anybody in the household, you what you know is that the man is supposed to lead, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And if you know that you are not in a position to lead, how what does that sound like? Like how does that feel to be honest and say I can't lead? Mm-hmm. And now it, it equates or it automatically equates to being a loser in our mind because we're not winning in a position where we can lead our family or we can lead our community or we can lead our our child so we don't want that vulnerability so it's like we project and we deflect or how can we make this easier it's almost like when you see a test and instead of answering all the questions you know you say oh this test looks hard i want to do it and that is the most unfair and unfortunate fact about it I know, I know for me, um, that was one of the things I didn't necessarily do. I didn't do that at all. I was, you know, I'm like, you know, here's what it is. Let's make it happen. But I think the part of the other part of it is, um, and I was making me think about it and I'm kind of smiling about it. Like some women are empathetic to understanding that it's like, he may not have, or he may have whatever it is. Women feel like you may or may not be capable of doing certain things. And, um, I know. At the beginning of my um, of my parenting, that was one of the things of my son mother. Um, you know, feeling like I don't know what I can ask him. I don't know what he got. Don't worry about that, sweetheart. You know what I mean? Like, if I gotta rob Peter to pay Paul, you won't know, but I'm gonna make it happen. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, hey, he need diapers. I'm he need a box of diapers. I'm gonna show up with three. You know what I mean? He needs sneakers. I'm gonna show up with two. Some whatever the case may be, it's like I'm always gonna outdo myself because I know what it felt like to not have. And that goes back into that place of what I was saying about I don't I want my son's story to be different. His story his story is not going to sound like mine. His struggles are not going to sound like mine. And then when we're able to measure what it is that we want to suffer, 
how how we want to suffer. My suffering is going to be for me making sure I provide it rather than me suffering from doing what I want to do and my son not having it. Or I don't want to suffer later on by saying, you know, my son feeling like, yo, he was never there. Mm-hmm. So even with that, like to kind of like segue into relationships, like how how is it that dating looks with you and your co-parenting and your son and all of those perspectives? Like, is it because one of the things that, you know, it's just like um, the big burning uh, burning statement is, okay. when is a good time to introduce your child when you're dating or when is the perfect opportunity for your child to become a part of the relationship as well, because that does happen. It's just kind of like if, if it's a good relationship, your child's going to become a part of that relationship. So when is that a good time? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Uh, I will tell you like this. This is this is a true statement. I can give you a true story. Um, one thing I was very honest about, um, like I said, I, I, I think maybe it was just me and, and I create this real fallacy in my mind. But even when my son mother was pregnant, I was like, hey, I don't care what you do with another male. You got a date, whatever. Bring my son to me. I said, until he's ready to make you an honest woman, my son doesn't need, you know, he has a father. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and whoever I'm dating before I introduce our son to that person, I'm going to introduce you to him. That was a conversation that I had with her again. But this is a true story. I was dating this young lady for a while and I'm like, never had her around my son, even to the point where she stayed out of town. I had her stay at my house and I went to my mother's house because it was just so happened. Like my son, mom had to go do something. Hey, I need you to watch your son. I'm like, out of respect for the ground rules I laid since you were pregnant, let me not have this, you know, our child around this person. So um, finally, you know, I let her, I introduced them. They had a conversation. And she was, you know, okay, she's cool with it. There was a sense of, you know, jealousy or whatever. But finally, she got over it when she realized, like, you know, our child really likes her. You know what I mean? Was reading with her, sitting with her, everything. Um, but then <laughs> there, it wasn't returned. Um, and I would say this was approximately, like, when I was finishing, uh, so maybe like 18, maybe like 2018. Um Everybody's congratulating me, and I'm off Facebook, so I don't know, but I keep getting email notifications, so I had to make a password to get in or whatever, and then I see a picture of her and a young, another young man, and I was like, I was, first I was like, oh, okay, good for her, you know what I mean, maybe she'll leave me alone. Then the other messed up part about it was like, wait a minute, you know what I mean, I started putting two or two together and it started making 16. Things started multiplying before they was even adding up, and I'm like, <laughs> she has this guy around my son. Mm-hmm. That is, that is initially triggered me right off the bat mm-hmm. and then there was conversations like i had my son i'm like hey you know i'm gonna i'm gonna come get you so we can get ice cream and he like no nah, mommy friend gonna take me to get ice cream then that started hurting mm-hmm. then it was yo why you know why my son bringing up this other man is like oh well that's just my friend or whatever and then my son point out the house now, remember, <laughs> I had a guest who I was talking to for two years. Like, me and this young lady was dating at two years at this point before she even, like, knew my son. And me and her knew each other and were talking, like, as friends, even when my son mother was pregnant. I expressed to her, like, and it was hard. That was one of the hardest things I had to do. I had to express to this young lady who I was very interested in listening. I have a child on the way. I'm messy. I don't want to pull you in this mess. And I don't want to lose you later on in life. 
So right now, like, even though we're talking and we're really liking each other, let me get my life together so that I don't ruin yours. And she was hurt. Like, and she was like, she really went through it, didn't want to talk to me. And she understood what I meant later on. You know what I mean? It, it, it worked out. But I would say, I say that because now I have that much respect. And I dealt with all of that for her not to honor the same code that I kind of put into play from the beginning. And then um, <laughs> I end up running into this gentleman, right? On the 4th of July. And it was uncomfortable because one day I was driving past and my son goes, oh, there go mommy front house. And she was walking in the house. So I'm like, the fact that my son can identify this house <laughs> means that he went there more than once. Mm-hmm. Because this is the same kid that I don't even know where Walmart is and he lives down the street from it. But he can tell you where this where this guy house is. So 4th of July, I'm driving past. The gentleman is outside and I pull over. And I calmly expressed to myself before, I was like, I don't want to take any other steps before you feel like intimidated. I was like, I don't want you to think I'm walking up on you. I just want to have a conversation with you. He was like, oh, no, nah, no, nah, you good. No problem. What's going on? I said, well, you know who I am. We introduced each other like men. I said, listen, I said, I'll be very forward with you because I don't know what you got going on. It is a holiday. I want you to get back to your festivities. But I feel like she's a great mother. and She's an awesome person. However, if you're not willing to make a, uh, you know, honest woman out of her, I personally ask you, can you, you know, leave my son out of it? Only because if you really like her like that and you want to take it to the next level, I need to instill some software in my son to honor you differently. And he needs to listen to you. And he was like, yo, I respect that. You know, I got sons of my own. He was like, yo, that's that's a real conversation. You know, I appreciate that. Good looks. We we slap each other up, no problem. Drove off. Um, I guess that was like the yeah, man, this ain't gonna work for me for their relationship. So then she blacked him. What did you do? Da, 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 da. I said, well, listen, I gave you ample opportunity for you to introduce me to this man. You didn't want to. I kept asking, when are you going to introduce me? You wouldn't. And then finally, when I had this conversation, everybody felt like, you know, hurt. And, and that's another thing. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to pick, pick on people, but you've got to have good counsel in your corner. I would say from a single parent, um, my mom will always be like, you're wrong. You messed up. You know what I mean? Like, my mom quit to put me in my place. But, like, I don't felt like she had supportive counsel. To where it's like you can't have the my baby always right approach when your baby wrong because mm-hmm. now your baby's not learning and there was times when her mom never you know i didn't feel like her mom um uh fairly interjected and said hey nah you you didn't do that right and it was times when her dad did her father would be like nah that's not the way you do that nah you know what i mean so and i don't ever want anybody to feel like we're choosing sides but i want you to understand what's right always choose the side that's right and what's right may not be what's comfortable. Right doesn't equate comfortability. Right is sacrifice. Right is right is the, is actually the paradox to saying that you know I'm wrong. So when I looked at the situation and I'm like, yeah, maybe I didn't have to speak to him, but I'm like, I had to speak to him for me because my son was like, yo, this, you know, he was kind of excited about this man. And I'm like, okay, you sound like a good dude. But why are you spending this much time with my son? Are you doing it to get close to her? Thing is going to point, or are you really trying to build something with her? And then he exposed himself. So honestly, I feel like she owed me dinner for helping her out. <laughs> you want to put it out there? I feel like she owed me a hot plate. Like you know what? Thank you for showing me he wasn't a real dude. And I'm like, you know what? I'll accept that. And um, fish, and fish broccoli, and grits, you know? and broccoli. <laughs> Did you guys ever get around to asking why she didn't um, 
like introduce you into him I, like you I, asked when i asked she didn't answer um she did she know she just kind of deflected for a minute and what i internalized from the situation is that she was happy and yeah. she knew that it was monetary happiness but at the, at the core of it is like i don't want you to deflate this happiness let me ride this high you know what i mean that's what i really got out of it because if she knew like prime example if i i remember when my son was um so i told you i was in a messy situation and i was honest with that young lady the young lady who i was dating who i was like okay this ain't really going nowhere one of the things that hurt me the most was our son my son mother and i our son was um three months oh three months two two and a half and at the time my son was with me he was laying in my bed i had a king-size bed and the girl i was dating i was dating her like the whole time my son and mine was pregnant so it was a wacky story but anywho she got up to bed and i was making us breakfast and my son was crying and she said oh your baby is crying red flag i cut her off that day because <laughs> if you were with me and you're in the bed with a two-month-old baby not like a two-year-old baby that on snotty don't probably hit you he's saying no a two-month-old baby, I would have picked the baby up, held him, rocked him a little bit, but you came into the kitchen to tell me your baby crying. So now that shows that there's a division amongst the unity that we have and the union that we have and that you don't accept my child. I can't accept you. So that was something that like broke me and her up right then and there. And that was also like the way she exposed herself. So when I'm looking at my son, mom, I felt like for a while, and this is just me interpreting and internalizing, that some women deal with that moment of security where it's like, I, you know, I have these children who wants me now because the person who I wanted to be there to help me raise this child isn't there. What do I do next? And it's not her being insecure of who she is, but now her thinking about it, thinking it through. And now me providing that security was saying no, like you're an awesome mom, regardless. And I'm and I'm here to support that. And that's one of the things I've always, always mentioned. I never ever dismiss and I never denounce the mother that she is. I feel like she is a dope mom. She is real. She is when it comes to the mom thing, she's dope. She overdo it. You know what I mean? She overdo it. You're like, you don't gotta be a super mom all the time. But as far as like my son feeling loved, feeling nurtured. That's one thing that I'm I'm very grateful that I have her for. And like I said, and I'm here to teach him the natural lesson. Life naturally hurts. Um, so that's where, you know, the dating aspect comes in because now I have two responsibilities. One, I have the responsibility to not put anybody in front of him that doesn't have his best interest. And what I mean by that is I'm not gonna introduce him to another young lady who is not that serious with, who is like, I don't see no longevity with her. To that point. In, since my son been born, the only people that he's ever seen me show emotional affection to is either women in my family or women that he knows knows. Um, with that being said, I'm. It's like if I see a young lady and I'm got my son in the mall, and it can be somebody who I got a real good relationship. I'm not even gonna give her a church up. Hey, how you doing? Because I don't want my son to misinterpret that. But then the flip side of that is that I need to also teach my son that it's okay to love and show him how to love responsibly. So that's where, when I was dating this young lady, it was important for him to see, oh, my dad knows how to love women. 
So I would hug her in front of him because he needed to see that. And there's times where I even hug his mother like, that's my friend. You know what I mean? But I want him to understand how to love women from two different from two different perspectives. And this is me, again, <laughs> that state of just being honest. I want him to be able to love women and not understand and not misuse or, or be mistrusted. And then also love women and feel respected and have respect for them. Well, we thank you for raising this young man like that because that is so needed. Um, I think that me, I think I'm not sure, you know, Tiffany, I'm going to have you come in and give your perspective on that as well. But I think that, you know, one of the things that I kind of felt as though I needed to do for my children too, raising them as when they were younger and I was, when I, when they were younger and I was single is that everybody, everybody doesn't need to be there. And so even to this day, I dated one person for a very long time. And that one person is the only person my children ever saw me interact with. Right. Until this day, right now, me and that person has broken up a long, like I want to say 15 years ago. And they still say, um, you ain't going to get married to nobody until, unless it's blase, blase, this person from fifth, like that person is long gone, but I made it a point not to have that interaction with a whole bunch of people in my life in front of them, because I did not want, if that person was not meant to be there, then they didn't need to know that it was there in the first place. So Tiffany, what was your, I know you have older children now too. So my experience was, um, I don't bring anybody to them right off. I I, I do. I, I will like be with someone. Well, in my past, I've been with individuals, and by the time you know my children meet them, like we're deep into what we're doing. So I think it's time to introduce. But I was very overprotective too. Um, wasn't looking for a father figure, and I always wondered, like as I grew older. If that hurt them, you know what I mean? Because they didn't um, get an opportunity to see me in a a loving relationship only because I hit a lot and um, I just, some things just didn't work out. So anyhow, in that saying, um, they're 19 now. And as we've gotten older, if I can say the one thing that, like I said, I was raised in a two parent household and they love me with everything they had. I, I'm super, I'm, I'm super loved. So, um, but the one thing that I didn't get from my parents was like a lot of open conversation so that when I hit the world, um, I, I, I was just like a wildflower, like in everything. But anyways, I go, I say all that to say that when I started paying it more attention and paying attention to the effect that it may have had on my kids, I happened to ask them. Um, not too long ago, and they shared that interesting different perspectives. But for my daughter, she was happy because we were happy. You know what I mean? We always had a happy household. And then for my um, son, um, he was more interested in having a, a father figure around. And it led him to believe that no man wanted to take no 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 man is gonna take on a woman with kids you know and that was hurtful for me to hear and so i felt as though i helped clarify that and just say you know it's just different situations there are 
plenty of good men who take on good women and take care of their kids. So that was, you know, deep and interesting conversation. And the effect that it had on him was like very eye opening. But um, for the most part, um, I'm careful, but they're older now. So I don't know. It was, it was an experience, but just overprotective, good mom. But I've had my stinks and, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I, I know some men who are like, oh, you know, just like Shay was saying, you won't see the person, kids for like two years, which is okay to a certain extent. But in my eyes, I'm just wondering, what is it like from the other end? You know, have you dated women and like went in early with meeting their kids? Like, how was those experiences, if so, there were any? I would say I'm going to answer that question, and then I'm going to have some <laughs> questions for you that would help me answer this question. <laughs> so let me answer your question first. So I have, I, like, honestly, I'm almost at the point where it's like, I almost don't, and, and, I, and I mean this in the most respectful manner, I almost don't like dating women that don't have kids. Because then when you make your kids a priority and there's certain concerns, they don't share the same <clears> empathy <throat> for you. Uh-huh. Or they don't share the same, um, they don't have the same emotional connection because they don't have their own kids. And uh-huh. it's not their fault or their, or their bias. It's just the fact of how, the, you know, the situation is not their story. Um, and then there are some people that they, they get it, they understand it. But for me personally, it's like my life is already busy. I have a job. I have two businesses. I have, you know, school. So it's like now they're questioning where do I fit? And that's uh, their emotional aspect that I deal with a lot in my dating life. Like where like a woman questioning herself, where do I fit in? And it's like you, you know, it's the reassurance of me. But it's of, of us, like we have the responsibility as men to reassure our women what it is that they provide, but then also for them to feel secure and understanding that it's like, uh-huh. this is the same man that's vulnerable with me. It must mean something like, you know what I mean? And, and that's that you almost got to explicitly, not almost, you do. You have to explicitly explain that to them. You have to explicitly say, the fact that I do X, Y, and Z shows that you, I'm safe with you, shows that I feel security with you so that they can have that reassurance. Um, so that's where, you know, that's part Sorry, of that question. Just... Stay out of my business, Siri. Um, the second part of that question, <laughs> I start going off. The second part of that question is, um, I have dated, uh, um, I have dated, um, this woman. I, I don't have, I don't like saying girl. I think that's disrespectful. Uh-huh. I have this woman who, um, and me and her was kicking it for a while. And it was, it made me uncomfortable. Because I really liked her daughter. Like, I felt like that was my daughter. And then it was like, uh, but your mom is annoying, but I want to keep you as a stepdaughter. Like, it was <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my God. Like, she was the sweetest. Like, she was the uh-huh. sweetest. But her mom was like, <sighs> like, she, even if you're playing, it's like, if you look at my face. Do I look like I'm playing? She's like, I just find it funny. You've been busy all day, but you couldn't write me. You couldn't text me and tell me that. I'm like, man, like, and then, but every other thing would be like, cool. Every other thing would be cool about I'm just bothered because I didn't get to see you in two weeks. I feel like you don't make enough time. And I'm like, (laughs) so now I feel bad because I got to break up two relationships. That was the part that kind of really, really, really made me uncomfortable. The fact that I really had to break up two relationships because I'm talking about like it even got to the point where her daughter, I text her daughter like, um, like oh I'll catch up her daughter and be like go get your mom some flowers. I can tell she had a rough day at work or whatever. Like, and her daughter was older. Her daughter was like 13, so it was different 
Go ahead. Oh, as in now, it felt kind of weird because it's like now, like, hey, I don't want to, you know, bring up two relationships because now she like, she literally texted me, what did my mom do? I'm like, I don't want to, you know, baby, I don't, baby girl, I don't want to bring you into this conversation. Like, right. My mom really liked you. I'm like, yeah. And now, like, now I'm bringing this kid into an adult situation. So that right there was, I would say, was the most challenging and uncomfortable situation. <clears throat> Any other time is more like, um, I, I think I've, like, you know, I've dealt with a young lady who, you know, her and her, um, her child's father had a great co-parent relationship. So yeah, you know, me and her got together on her off days or. You know, I mean, hey, he's with his father. You're more than welcome. I'm, I'm available for a date. You can take me out, whatever the case may be. Those type of things work. But that's kind of how I handle it now. So my question for both of you ladies is what is one, or I would say two, because I'm never good with one. And <laughs> so I got to say two. What is two things that you wish men knew or fathers knew that could help you? Mm. In any aspect, whether it be the the social emotional connection, whether it be financial connection, whether it be communication, what is two things that you would like to share? And either A, I can support it, or B, I can say the the perception of how we receive it. Go ahead. Pertaining to fatherhood? You said pertaining to fatherhood, or just in general? I'm oh, sorry. Whoa. No, I'm sorry. No, what did you say? Uh, okay. I said pertaining to fatherhood, but also, but also in just in communicating with, you know, the um the father or the male species as a whole. Like, what is <laughs> uh, uh, if I can go on the emotional side, I got off with fatherhood. So if I can go on the emotional side, I would just say that, you know, we both are individual people coming from in individual backgrounds, diverse backgrounds, diverse places, diverse experiences. And we have to learn and respect I had to each mute. other when we're, when we're anew. Plus, despite what the streets are talking, what the streets are saying, you know what I mean? If you're taking the opportunity and a chance to be with me, take the opportunity and chance to get to know me and learn me too. Because you can't you can't you can't communicate with me. You can't be with me. You can't love me. You can't show me anything. You can't be the man that I need you to be if you're only running off your past experiences. Mm. So at some point, everybody just, you know, you just snap and you can get it. But just moving forward in relationships, we all are our own individual person. And we all should be willing to compromise and learn new things about each other. But if we're in this relationship, I think their relationship consists of three components is me, you, and us. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. we have to build on that. And I think that there's so, we spend so much time being so divided that or not have learned that or not have been taught that or just divided by society that it, it, it keeps us crashing. And I think kind of to add on to what she said, to what Tiffany said, I, I think that um, one of the things that I kind of like to do is I like to always tell somebody I'm my own box. Uh -huh. I don't want to work or operate off of somebody else's box and the uh -huh. life that they live. And so I don't want to pay for somebody else's downfalls and anybody else's shortcomings. I don't want to have to, um, I'm going to give you your own box and I want to have my own box. So uh -huh. I can't like, 
everybody is not hurt. Like everybody doesn't uh, treat you the same. Like, I think it's more so, you know, everybody um, is not going to bring in their hurt and their um, angst with someone else to the same situation. Like, uh, I, I think that one that's one of the things that like really is a pet peeve of mine is that, you know, not giving my uh, own, oh, well, all you women or all you this. And I'm like, uh, mm, but I'm not all you. Uh, I'm just Tory. I'm just, I'm individual. Uh, and um, uh, I would like my own box so that I can create my own space because uh, uh, when I'm trying to fill somebody else's space, I don't, it doesn't always work right because... I'm not, that box wasn't meant for me. Definitely understand that. Anything else? And then if I could add for fatherhood, um, I would just say that it's kind of hard because it kind of melts in a little bit of the other one. But like I said, I was raised with my parents. I saw a lot of ups and downs, but I, I understood them a lot. I didn't know. Just when it comes to fatherhood, connecting with motherhood, again, we come from different backgrounds, but we've created these children or we still have these, you know, diverse per perspectives and they all count because a good number of us was not taught how to be parents. We just watched our parents be parents if we watched our parents be parents. You know what I mean? Your, our parents was probably too busy, just like we are, doing what we have to do to stay alive and get things together to be teaching you, oh, well, me and dad had an argument or not fight today about this, or this is the reason why I have, you know, got that's not being taught to us. We don't, most of the time as kids, we you just um, observe. So with my own kids, I spend a lot of time talking to them, but I think that communication is good. I think that I've educated them really good, but um, again, I run off of what I learned from my parents and, and my father in general to be able to raise my son and my daughter single-handedly and the community supported me I had great male figures in my son's life to help raise him be a very productive good young man but it hurts me listen to your story and just like listen to me now how I had to thank everybody else before I had to thank their dad you know what I mean and that's just because that was our dynamic and that's just the way the, the chips fell but um just i think i kind of like <laughs> fell a little too deep in that but just with fatherhood like we do want to come together and learn from each other and support each other and that's what i want to see out of more of us so you know there's always a male perspective and it's a woman perspective but just us speaking right now from where we are and speaking from separate places and, and maybe not like togetherness like a husband and wife it just always makes me wonder how different would it be if we were married because we still struggle with some of these same things we still have the differences but i mean would it be different if you were married with your wife all day and she could you work all these hard hours and she could understand when you come home this week and see you and love you take care of you is that different really is it all that different from you kind of like living separately does that make sense Oh, no, I say it definitely makes sense. And I, I wholeheartedly agree, especially when you talked about the part of um, understanding the, the individuality first. It's like to know that woman is to love that woman. So you can't mm -hmm. woman properly unless you know every part about right, her. Right, right. I mean, at least what she's willing to share. And, and we know when y'all not listening, you're not learning. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, 
and, and, and to that same point, that's where I would say, like, I'll I'll put myself out there and say, like, I had to practice that. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we only want to retain, you know, like, it's just like a movie. You can only remember the funny parts or the parts that entertain you. Uh-huh. But it's like, somebody asked you to write a review, it's like, well, uh, well, how can I really write a solid review if I only like certain parts? And uh-huh. that's not fair. If you love me, do you need to love all of me? Uh-huh. Um, so I definitely understand it from that. And and then looking at it from the place of saying that you went too deep, I don't ever feel like anybody went too deep. I feel like uh-huh. being vulnerable is being free. So I, I I appreciate the fact that you felt comfortable and had a place of security where you're allowed to feel free and express that because not everybody does. And what happens right. is we're so um we're so kind of hung up on how we'll be perceived by others or what you know what they will say that is like we kind of, we're actually killing the message because we're not a, we're not giving the full story. Right. Every part that we omit, every time that we keep a little piece out, the more that we forget and that somebody needs to hear it. Mm. Right. That's respect. Yes, and everything means something. It's like sometimes we say things and we don't know that may how that might impact or how that might um, affect someone else. And so uh-huh. yeah, it's just like, say what you're going to say. It's just like, uh-huh. you know, take, like I always tell my children, it's like, take what you need and leave the rest. Like right. if you didn't need right. it, it right. wasn't for you. It was for somebody else. Cause we all heard something totally different. Like, uh-huh. um, you know, it's just like, we all are listening to this conversation, but we all will take many different points from it and many different aspects from it. And it might not even all be the same thing, but it just, right. it all works together. And so right. definitely. So, and then not only that, to that same point, like everybody, everybody feels. Mm-hmm. I think that's another part that we forget too. We're so we're so hung up, or we're so cautious about how people may understand or how they may receive it. But everybody feels. Everybody feels. Um, one of the hardest lessons I had to learn was, and this is a crazy story. One of the hardest lessons I had to learn is when my father and I got into a physical altercation on the bus. <laughs> And um, it happened in front of students. And it made me so uncomfortable because my car had broke down and I was just catching the bus, you know, from the school straight downtown because I lived downtown at the time. But um, I see my father on the bus and I offered him a seat. He refused to seat. I got up. I went to the back of the bus to try to talk to him. And at first, he didn't want me to sit next to him. So then he moved his bag, like, like with an attitude, whatever, just kind of huff and puff. And I sat down to him and I said, listen, man, I don't want any money. I don't want, you know, I don't want anything. I just want to offer you. The opportunity to meet your grandson and um his response was my grandson i said yes you know i had a child he was like oh you popping him out early just like your mom and when he said that i like instantly like and it was like the whole i did a prayer and everything before i walked back there all that went out the window jesus was like don't do it i'm like too late and uh <laughs> I just, like we just got into this like kind of match going back and forth and I, I just punched him in the face. Like, I didn't have no respect in that moment. I just punched him in the face. And I was more embarrassed because there were students on the bus from my school. And, um, of course, in that moment, like, me just going off like, yo, I hope I grow up and never be a father like you. I can't believe you'll say that. You know what I mean? And then, like, that happens. And I get to school the next day. And I'm like, oh, snap. Now, you know, we live in a social media era where, first of all, I'm just grateful nobody pulled out their phone and recorded it. But then secondly, a student walked in my class and was like, hey, is you all right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm good, man, what's going on? And he was like, yo, I seen what happened on the bus. He was like, I just want you to know, like, my father don't talk to me either. I kind of felt that. And just the fact of, like, having that moment, then the child hugged me and then walked to class. 
receiving that in that moment was like, I had to close my door for a second and just kind of gather myself. Like I felt tears flowing. I'm like, yo, what if that child would have been like, oh, you know, hey, you know what I mean? Like trying to make it into a big like fiasco and no one did. You know what I mean? I kept, I ain't gonna lie. I kept my ears to the hallways for a couple of days. Like I wanted to see who was gonna bring it up and nobody brought it up. I guess even kids felt it. Like, like and, and to that same point, they had more respect for me. Like, yo, y'all really deal with things when y'all not in school. I'm like, what do you think? Y'all think that we teach y'all and then go in coffins and just wake up the next day back in school? Like, we got lives. And for them to not feel alone, because that is yeah. really deep, too. And it just, just you sharing it, I don't mean to cut you off, but just you sharing that just makes me just think about our culture and like where we where we where the big hole is at because how do they connect more with you in silence and relation of that than they do with anything that's good you know being good told to them but that's real too like you said we're, we're all feeling that's part of our feelings too that was letting them know that you're not alone you know what i mean and it's sad to say but i hear a lot of boys I hear a lot of young men speak on that, and it's deep. And I, I, I want us to, you know, I, I want us to work on it, all of us, where it needs to be worked at. I want, I want it to be better for us. And it just starts with ourselves. You know what I mean? Hopefully, if I can change them, if I continue to change, then other people will adapt and, you know, become contagious. Uh -huh. Change themselves, they'll change their perceptions. Uh -huh. Wow, I think that, that wow, I said without that's like really deep and really um, you know, good perspective to kind of like wow, we need to continue this conversation again, you know, kind of bring it back for another perspective if you are up for it cuz um, I'm always up for it. Honestly, I feel like these are the best conversations this world They are. They are. They are. I enjoy having too. Definitely, definitely. So, and that's why, that's what it's all about. You know, that's what I really kind of want to always kind of um, open up or leave that opportunity for us to have those kind of conversations. Let's talk about how we feel in the perspectives of real life and things of that nature so that, um, you know, <laughs> so that I like can... when it's so deep, you quiet. <laughs> It's just kind of like sucking it all in. It, it is. It really is. It's just kind of like wow. And it's like, refreshing too because, again, just dealing with different people from different areas. Sometimes when you stuck in from your quote unquote environment or just the people you used to be around, just the the energy is just different. And it's it just you don't have to be in defense mode. You don't have to feel attacked. You just have a a solid conversation. So, yeah, it's, it's deep. <laughs> definitely, definitely. That's the point. That's the point. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. So, I thank you very much, Shay, for kind of like um, you. opening yourself up and allowing us, you know, to kind of have this conversation with you. You know, you sound like an awesome, dope dad. Like, I, I yes. truly appreciate that. And having just having the opportunity to kind of just talk with you and you sharing. You know, your ups and downs and, you know, a fatherhood uh -huh. and, you know, with, with relationships. And so, right. you know, how that all kind of works together. Because we as adults, like, you know, we don't, there's no manual to this thing called no. life. Um, but we all have to kind of learn a little bit of something. And, you know, hopefully, you know, as you've shared, you know, other fathers will kind of be able to have the opportunity to kind of take some of what you said and apply And you taught it. me something, too. I've learned something today, too. Mm -hmm. So... I always appreciate that. So definitely, a deep, 
know what I'm saying? I learn from y'all. I learn from women all the time. Like I, I told you, I got nine sisters. <laughs> I, I, I've been learning from women my whole life. But I think the most, the most uh, interesting thing, or the, the most important thing, and I'm gonna leave it with this. This is my last remark. We need each other. Mm. We, need each other. We, do. we do. We need each other. Like we don't see no other culture. I don't. I don't see. You know, Chinese men bash Chinese women. I don't uh, see vice versa. We need each other. Yeah, and we I, do. Like, one would be without the other. You know, believe it or not, like if somebody has power, day, so powerful together too. Listen, somebody said yeah. the other day, well, we all came from a black. It was like we all came from, uh, you know, all, all, every black person came from a black mom. I said, well, let me take it a step further. Don't you know that the male determines the X and the Y chromosome? Uh. Yep. So every black woman came from where? A black uh, man. We need each other. We need each other. One without the other does not work. It does not work. It doesn't work. It doesn't. And it's a man's world. It is. It is. Nothing without a woman or a girl. Is this like you yes. can say that? You can just say that first part. Yeah. It's a man's world, but guess what? Yeah. It still don't mean nothing. Yeah. Without a woman. And it's just kind of like that is so we still ultimately at the end of the day, we do need each other. And I do uh-huh. I love that part. I love to see black love. I love to see, you know, people loving on each other and we being able to kind of um you know, share that love with others and you just kind of, I love it. Like, it doesn't make a difference to me. Um, right. You know, it's just kind of like, it's, it's an awesome thing and to see people come together, even if you, even not to say about black love, but just see the black people come together and be able to unite and, you know, move forward and, you know, propel us to the next level because we do need, we, we do need each other. And so uh-huh. I thank you for having uh-huh. this solid conversation with me. Um, I truly appreciate your time and your efforts. And um, I want to thank you. And this is Solid Conversations with your girl, Lady T.